All right. Welcome back to another episode of Into the Unknown. This episode is brought to you by just myself and you, Shuan. We will be getting guests in the future, but we figured we'd maybe do a couple of episodes, just the two of us, as we used to do, and then we'll intersperse that with a guest that is far more entertaining uh, than, than, than the two of us. Um, so OGs we do, will know. Yeah, the OGs will know. So what we decided to do... Um, in this episode is because we're kind of getting back into the swing of things we do this sort of every couple months it's just kind of put the floor out to the, our listeners so we asked for some questions and we figured that we'd, we'd answer them um we're not going to name any names we'll just kind of go through the questions uh because we put this in our story on our instagram so if you aren't following us on our personal instagrams then i'll put them in the in the bio at the end of this uh, and if we do Q and A's in the future, or if you want feed put feedback to us, or give us feedback, um, then please feel free. So, without further ado, let's do it. Okay, first question we have is 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 a nice easy one for both of us, and that is what books or, or book are you reading at the moment? Nice, nice. Should I go first? Go for it. Sir. I'm, I'm reading. I'm trying a new thing, right? Which is reading two books at the same time. Not literally at the same time. That's so weird. I'm doing exactly <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> not, you know, not simultaneously, but yeah. going through two books at the same time, which actually I've never done before. And I've been shit at multitasking. So this is a new challenge for me. And it's a fiction and a nonfiction. But to make it easier, the fiction one is actually what I've read before and I'm rereading it. And it is the classic that is Brave New World by Huxley. Um, and I know you're, you're smiling and nodding because you've read it too, haven't you? Yeah, I like um, that. Yeah, I like and Huxley stuff. I, I just love like every sort of, you know, the classic dystopian novels mm -hmm. and how that's portrayed slightly differently in each one. You know, there's um, obviously Orwell and then there's Huxley and um actually have you read clockwork orange i haven't no actually i've seen the movie but i haven't walked i haven't read the book oh man that one's wild <laughs> um but what i love is that there's always i find it really interesting that they're all portrayed slightly differently but there's always similarities mm. and without spoiling it too much like you'd actually find similarities to what these stories depict and and actually the reality we live in which is kind of scary to be honest um i mean this was written in i haven't actually got a date um probably should have done a bit of research beforehand but i want to say 1994 and i want to say mm. that because i just looked in the book um but <laughs> you know that's but there's so many links that you can draw from that uh, um, what was written in 1994 is portrayed as being a dystopian future and the reality that we live in now which slightly concerning but also really interesting to read and also just a great book um the non-fiction that i've got uh was actually recommended to me by someone and it's called eat the frog by brian tracy huh? so it's called eat the frog 21 great ways to stop procrastinating and get more done in less time and for those of you who know me con i i 
I've got I've got many many talents I'd say but I'd say probably organization and admin and efficiency of work would not be in my list and uh that's something that I've, I've I'm trying to be a bit more aware of and more conscious about and and be a bit more proactive in trying to kind of better myself um mm. so it's actually a really interesting book so like eating the frog as a as a metaphor for basically doing the thing that you don't want to do you know putting that at the top of your list your priority list instead of putting it off and putting it off and then it kind of boils up and becomes a bigger and bigger thing and actually just you know doing it straight away doing it first and getting it out of the way and then you've got sort of mental space and uh, i suppose like physical space to actually do the things that you want to do but mm. yeah no it's a really handy book sort of quite how do you say quite practical but also the way that he explains you know the psychological side of it of how a lot of these things that we put off are these tasks that we have to do but we don't necessarily want to do them they start you know adding up and weighing us down and i find that really interesting so um hopefully i can take a leaf out that book if uh, um as it were and uh yeah put it into practice yeah i think that's an interesting one like something that i've that i've been trying to do is read a non-fiction and a fiction book it's really weird that we've both decided to do the same thing at the same time without even actually having prior knowledge that we yeah, were both we doing that we don't talk we don't talk to each other normally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, um, just so insane. yeah we are but yeah i think uh i like huxley's huxley stuff i mean i've read uh i've read brave new world um and i think a lot of that was based on like hg wells's yeah. books because i also love war of the worlds um and he, I think even just, you know, stuff like 1984 by George Orwell, Fahrenheit 451 is another really good book if you're interested in dystopian novels. Even like two that I've read that are really good that are sort of from more of a female perspective are like The Handmaid's Tale and The Power. The Handmaid's yeah, Tale is Handmaid's Tale. one of my favorite um, books to read. And actually the follow-up for that, where it follows three different characters in a timeline, is phenomenal. It's so, so good what was um, that i've never read the, the follow-up so so she actually wrote it um is, Mar is it margaret atwood margaret yeah yeah so she basically wrote like a follow-up of the characters and it's called the testaments it only came out like three oh, years oh yeah i saw it I, it's I saw so it honestly it. Yeah. so it's set 15 years or, or something like 10 15 years i forget the exact time but it's set after the handmaid's tale right um and it's honestly in my opinion i mean i love the handmaid's tale but in my opinion i think the better. testaments is better in some well, ways yeah. because yeah. i think the handmaid's tale is great because it just follows the main protagonist but the reason why i love the testaments is because when you're reading handmaid's tale you sort of um the only person you really care about is the handmaid right the person yeah. who's essentially drafted to, to give birth um and you sort of begin to hate like the the gentle like the commanders you hate like the wives of the commanders the aunties you know the ones that kind of look over the the handmaids yeah. 
And so what it does is it follows a handmaid, it follows um, a wife, and it follows an aunt, and it gives you different context to like what they're thinking about through that period of time. It's honestly, I love that because it kind of humanizes them, doesn't it? And I think one of the hardest things, whether it be in in books or like in literature or in in films and TV shows and stuff, is like actually humanizing villains. Mm. And when that's done right, like it's such a powerful thing. It is. It is because I mean, like it's very easy for us to be overruled by our emotion where we just can't instantly think of our own biases. But then if you lack, like having that perspective kind of massively opens your eyes to like a a different way of thinking that you might not have thought about before. So I agree. Um, Going back to Huxley's right, I know you're reading Brave New World. Someone told me once that he wrote a book and he wrote it whilst he was on LSD. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which one's that because i bet that's a banger i have no idea <laughs> but um i mean I think, but you know i think this it, book it is probably be. written on lsd like look I mean, at the cover of it that is just lsd central yeah yeah but you know if if taking lsd can allow you to uncover this fantasy dystopian world in your head that actually also mimics reality i might I think we should give it a go, Con. Mm, mate, we should. You know what's interesting as well is we've just uh, started, well, M's just started reading The Hunger Games because I just finished the whole series and they've got the new movie coming out in a couple of weeks, which is a prequel. And um, it's interesting as well because like The Hunger Games is is really good. A lot, of, a lot of people who are interested in literature will read stuff like Huxley, H.G. Wells, you know, Margaret Atwood, um, whoever else it might be like george orwell but like i think the hunger games does a really good job of kind of it, it in, a, in a really good way it's a dystopian novel that's kind of telling children like you can't just let one state control everything like yeah. you, it has to be yeah. a collaborative state or otherwise you go amok um and kind of what happens when you try and control other people's lives and mm. not just like let them live. It's a really interesting way to do it. And I think it's really clever. Like, and I, when I read them years and years ago, I don't think I really took a lot of that on. I was just reading it for the, for the goriness and like the action and stuff like that, you know? Um, anyway. So yeah, the two books that I'm reading um, at the moment is Stephen King novel, which is called the Institute. It's about kids that, either have telepathy or telekinesis and they're basically tested on and turned into um turned into like weapons for the army um but basically the the kids begin to figure out that actually the people that they're controlling are the people that are controlling them have no power over them and Mm. so they basically flip the narrative and they start to fight back against their aggressors um it's good so far like a like a a new school animal farm. Yeah, basically, yeah, basically, <laughs> basically that animal um, farm with superpowers. <laughs> yeah, it's good so far though. And then the second book that I'm reading, which I actually started maybe a week ago, is another Tim Marshall book, and it's called Divided. Nice. Um, and it's about basically living in an age of walls, not just in terms of like social media and the walls that we put up 
ourselves, but also physical walls like it talks about the Berlin Wall and the fall of that. It talks about the USA and Mexico. And obviously right now, the chapter that I'm on, which is the reason why I picked it up, is it's talking about Israel and Palestine. And although we're yeah. not going to get that into that in this in this podcast, um, you know, yeah, I think not. it's yeah, we won't we won't be getting into that, but um it, it, it gives you a really interesting perspective of like the history of the war mm. and how it started, why it's happening, who's perpetuating it, um, which I think really is is an important aspect to understand. Um, you know, but uh, that's as, as far as I'll I'll talk about it on that. I think I just wanted to educate myself a little bit more before you know people ask for my opinion and 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 so on and so forth. So anyway, respect. Um let's get into the next question. That was a, that was a nice one actually, a nice little warm up. So oh, I've got two. We'll, uh... I've, got, I've got two that were asked by the same person and they're kind of similar but they're a little bit different. Bit keen. Right? The first one was what do people misunderstand about you the most? Fuck okay. <laughs> right the second part of that question okay was what's the best compliment you've ever um gotten like received oh wow <laughs> wow how how is this a light-hearted episode are we going in deeper what's going on here what's the vibe uh i can just see all the answers reeling in my head potential answers you go first okay so i would say the thing that people misunderstand about me the most maybe it's that i have my shit together i'd say sure, we're just gonna have the same answers now aren't we okay. is that what you keep said going. is that what you no, were uh, keep going keep going um I, I i think my answer is less about having my shit together and more about knowing where i want to go Right, because mm. we just discussed an episode of purpose, and although I definitely have purpose, it doesn't always mean that I know the direction that I'm going to be heading in. And so I think that's a misunderstanding that a lot, I guess, from doing this podcast and having conversations with people that listen to the podcast, they kind of always said to me, like, oh, you always seem to like have a purpose or like know where you want to be going. Right. And as much as I do have a purpose, I wouldn't deny that. Just because I have that purpose doesn't always mean that I know where I want to go. Um, and it doesn't always mean that I should know where I want to go. Because mm. otherwise, I, I feel like, it, from my perspective, or at least in my opinion, that would take the joy out of spontaneity. Yeah. You know, there's, there's no spontaneity if you plan and know exactly what's happening. Um, so I, I would say that would be probably the most the thing that people most misunderstand about me. Um, maybe I guess on the surface as well, a lot of people think that I come across as like I don't know, like not, maybe not direct, but I think a lot of people that don't necessarily know me well, they wouldn't know that I'm quite soft, soft natured. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but. To a lot of my friends, at least my closest friends, I think they would, or at least I hope they would agree that I'm, I'm I am actually, I am actually quite <laughs> soft. Yeah, a cuddly I'm, a toy. I'm, a, I'm delicate. I'm, I'm a delicate flower. As, as <laughs> We're all delicate petals. Um, 
in terms of the best compliment I think I've ever received. Whew. Gosh, I, I don't even know if I could be able to narrow down like not not because I've got not because I've been given as a compliments, but I mean just in terms so of like, compliment you all the time. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> you do. I I don't know. It's I, maybe it's. I think for me, actually, one that stuck out a lot is maybe that I'm I seem to be very loyal, mm. right? Loyal to people that I care about the most. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll go with that one. Actually, I don't know if it's worth even exploring any more than that. I would say I'm I'm happy to just leave it at that. You know, I would say that's probably one of the best compliments I ever got is that I seem to be loyal. You know, so I think you know what I think that goes to show that. And I think it probably sheds a bit of light on actually the things that you value or, or the kind of the traits or the yeah characteristics that you value in yourself or someone who you want to be. And loyalty is one of them because, you know, that's pretty big on top of mm -hmm. all the compliments that you get about your amazing clean and jerk form and fucking snatching however much. Um, it's the loyalty like that goes to show um how much you value that as a human mm, appreciate that bro respect <laughs> um, uh, okay well i was gonna say as well one of the things a lot of people misunderstand about me is that i've got my shit together and i'll caveat that by saying that everyone who knows me well enough knows for a fact that i don't have my shit together but I think maybe from an outside perspective, it looks like, you know, I, I, I think we've spoken about this before as well and what we do on social media and the nature of social media and how we present ourselves. I think a lot of people look like they've got their shit together. And, um, you know, you and I both have, you know, achieved some things. Uh, we both work in industries that we love and, and we genuinely enjoy being in and that sort of thing and i think from an outside perspective maybe looking at that people would be like wow like you've really mm. got your shit together you're like you know what you're doing um because the other thing that came to mind when uh you asked the question is that a lot of people think that i'm like a really sort of outgoing confident guy which in some ways is true like i like socializing like I, i'm i'd say i'm pretty confident in like you know social situations but at the same time um and maybe this isn't something that i let on quite often to people who i'm not close with those things like that um despite me being about to say it here um but i, I you know there are, i'm the same as you know we're the same as anyone else you know there's things that we feel good about things that we're confident in within ourselves and then at the same time there's insecurities and there's things that we aren't so sure about in ourselves things we maybe don't like so much about ourselves and things that we think we need mm -hmm. to work on um but you know i think a lot of what we portray whether that's consciously or not or intentionally or, or otherwise like it, it gives off maybe a bit of an impression that we've got our shit together and i hope you you guys appreciate as well like when we 
talk about these things um you know we've tackled a couple of pretty big topics like big hitters on this podcast where it's you know we've talked we've talking we've spoken talking spoken about purpose or spoken about things like identity and and stuff like that it's actually more the case of sharing our own journeys through that um and sort of things that we've experienced and dealt with or or are dealing with rather than being preachy and rather than kind of telling you all oh, like this is this is how it's done because i'm gonna be honest with you like i don't fucking know like i i'd like to think i'm starting to get some kind of idea but i don't know i don't know the mm -hmm. answers and the the same reason why we love getting guests on the podcast that maybe are a lot more insightful and experience than we are because we just love you know exploring these topics and, and listening to other people's points of view and other people's journeys and things like that um so yeah biggest compliment <laughs> i i don't know if you know this one but i don't get that many compliments that's uh, a lie so this one's easy for me um i think one of the biggest compliments oh it's a tough one i someone said to me that i'm very self-aware hmm and i i i like that i i i'm a i was very happy about that um because i think because and you know you've known me for many years and i think when you first met me however many years ago maybe four or five years ago i would say i wasn't very self-aware and um you know i i was the same as i'd say a lot of people around me at the time sort of in that environment and also at that age i suppose of just being so used to um presenting myself in a certain way and stuff like that and, and you know having to be a certain way or or um these sort of dealing um strategies and mechanisms that are in place that i just wasn't conscious about leading to you know habits or behaviors towards other people even that maybe weren't so healthy and so yeah no it actually means a lot to me to for someone to recognize that well for someone to say that i am self-aware and, and for me to recognize that actually like over the years and because it is something that i've you know have been working on and something that i've tried to be a bit more conscious about over the years have developed a bit more awareness of maybe some um unproductive or unhealthy um sort of dealing mechanisms or habits and stuff like that and who i am getting to know myself better as a person and yeah and just slide in a second compliment there that i that meant a lot to me is that when someone said that they think that i am really like i'm able to be myself um because that's actually a part of it as well and i think go back to what i was saying with you know previous years maybe the thought of always wanting to be a certain person or wanting to present myself as a certain person whereas i've gone to the point now where i'm, I'm a lot more comfortable and confident in 
just be myself and i think that also comes with knowing myself and knowing who i am and who i want to be as a person and i'm happy to to you know put that out there to the world i i would agree with that i would fully fully agree with those compliments because i've seen you from when you were different different person to where you are now like i would definitely i wouldn't necessarily use the word different actually maybe i'd use the words like you've grown like you've grown in in like being comfortable with who you are rather than who you want people to perceive you to be which is a very difficult thing to do honestly i don't think that it's very common to 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 have that with people um and it's not an easy thing to do so yeah i definitely would agree with those compliments actually well i don't i don't realize we're giving each other compliments as well i think you're a pretty loyal guy (laughs) (laughs) oh you're so silly all right (laughs) next question okay so the next question is not quite a this is i guess a fairly simple one but it's not as deep as 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 the other one uh what drives you to train when things get hard dull or monotonous Mm. um where do i start the why and i know Mm. that's such a such a cliche or it's become such a cliche thing isn't it like ah you hear people say all the time like you have to find your why like look for your why and but i think there's a lot of truth in that of you need to find and this goes a lot back to what we were talking about in in a previous episode about about purpose um and Mm. for me that was a real game changer for me and and sort of my perception of i get and my mentality in what i'm doing is finding that purpose to and that's the thing that kind of gives me direction and drives me every morning to wake up and shovel some shit and ride horses and train and go to the gym and all of those things and and you know i won't get into it again because if you want to know my purpose please revisit previous episode but i think that has to be sort of for me the overarching reason that you're doing you're doing what you're doing and you and i Again, we've spoken about this, but you and I are both very lucky to be able to have identified that and have been able to to go with it and, and do things that match our purpose and do things that sort of drive our purpose. And that to me is the why. Like that's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. And it doesn't matter if I'm feeling motivated or it doesn't matter if, you know, it's cold and raining or because the purpose stays the same and and the reasons i'm doing what i'm doing stays the same and that's not to say that i don't struggle like we all struggle with you know motivate motivation is is a is a feeling it's an emotion that fluctuates it's a bit up and down and especially when things maybe aren't going so well or things aren't going to plan or things are just staying the same you don't feel like you're progressing it's harder to get yourself motivated it's harder to get pumped up to go train or go sit on a horse and go to the gym and i you know there are many days i'd rather just stay in bed and fucking like eat crisps in bed um, mm-hmm. 
but I think I'm very fortunate now to be in a position where I have found a purpose that I resonate with strong enough, genuinely, like as a person, that when I think of that, that that gets me out of bed and that gets me doing the things that I'm doing. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I guess without repeating what you said, because you know, I guess our answers are pretty similar with those kind of things, is I think for some of us we're actually okay with doing the mundane. Like some days I'm actually yeah. okay with things not being exciting and things just yeah. being, you know, as they are. Um and and them being just the same because yeah. the reality is that high performance i actually heard this on a podcast a few years ago and it never really rang true until i started you know actually pushing myself hard that high performance isn't sexy it's actually really boring because you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again yeah. to be the best that you can be and although that doesn't sound glamorous it's not meant to be glamorous because you don't you don't do the training the results the outcome is the sexy thing the process yeah. isn't you know um and so i guess i i kind of use two strategies which i kind of will piggyback off what you said number one is to recognize that if training does get like dull or monotonous or you're starting to feel less motivated it might also be that you're just not being able to recover enough and so you're your your body and your brain is kind of telling you you know through your emotions it's telling you like just take a bit of a break and that could be a break from training it could be a break from the training regimen that you're following currently whereby you know maybe you're doing four days a week and you just dial it back to three um you know essentially what you're trying to do during that period is let's imagine that you're on a carriage right and in your journey you start with 10 horses on the carriage but some of them eventually are going to end up getting pretty tired it doesn't mean that you just let them go free it means that they just you give them a rest so you take them to the back of the carriage and then every so often you know you might rotate them um and essentially what that what that means in my mind is regardless of how slow that carriage is moving it's still moving forwards mm whether yeah. it's one horse whether it's all 10 horses you know you just don't want to get to the point where it stops because there's no momentum and i think that's when people say that they've fallen off the wagon you know that yeah. kind of old saying and you know taking your two week holiday you haven't fallen off the wagon you've just taken a mental and physical reset you know and yeah. if you're smart about your training then you program that with your coach or if you don't have a coach and you can you know coach yourself to do this it's the same as if you were to be do competitions you know you if you know you have something that's going to be stressful coming up you taper off your training you know or you kind of set the expectation that training isn't going to be so great for the next month or the next week because i have a lot of shit going on and you know your responsibility is to yourself to look after yourself um yeah so whether that helps or not I'm not too sure. The second thing is, I would say training can be very boring. Um, we spoke, I don't know, 10 episodes ago about this idea of like 
you know, Buddhist enlightenment of chop wood, carry water. And I'm still yet to buy the book and I'm going to read it because I want to do a podcast on that. And I think the reality is that like a lot of people struggle with continuing to do the same thing again because they lack perspective and they lack hindsight. And I'm piggybacking off your answer of they lose the direction and, you know, where they want to go. Um, which is their why. Uh, yeah. It's very difficult to do that if you don't have a why. Um, yeah. And, pe people, and I think, yeah, sorry, go on. Sorry, so I was just going to say what, what you were saying. I think that's really, that's a really good point of that. Like, it's not meant to be sexy all the time. Like, no. we have our moments of, of absolute sex gods, but it's, you know the everyday the training the the routine what we're doing every day i think it comes down as well to trusting the process like if you have a process that works and is in line with what your goal is and what your purpose is then you have to trust it and and it's not and that's the only way to get better and mm -hmm. it's not going to happen overnight and like you and i both know that but it's like yeah like it, it, if you go to the gym and you want to get stronger you're not going to get stronger by you know monday you're going in and doing like goblet squats and then the next week oh we're going to change it up like let's do some yeah. i don't know front squats and then we'll do some rack pulls but like every time it's different and that's exciting and that's pretty sexy you're trying something different every time you've got different videos for your instagram you know but yeah, yeah. you're not getting any stronger like the only way to get stronger is to build on the is you know linear progression or yeah okay like this is not my department um but but you know what i mean like that and that's not what everyone wants to hear and that's not yeah the most appealing way yeah and and this is kind of goes back to the point that i just made that if you do work with the coach you know or, or you you do program for yourself and this is you know i i i we use this podcast obviously you know most people that listen to this will, will hopefully know that my business and my industry is is strength and conditioning and so obviously i'm going to want to sell my services but the the fact of the matter is i think a lot of people hire coaches not just because they're going to know the right things to do but they'll also help you make decisions when you don't know what to do yeah or at least they'll help you at the end of the day when you hire a coach you're both signing a contract and you sign it as a team yeah and that's that's the most important aspect of hiring a coach in my opinion is that that coach gives a shit about you they actually care about your you know your emotions as well as your goals and i think those are can be two entirely different things um and they sometimes have to make the hard calls you know i've had to say this to athletes in the past even just last week where i had an athlete who was struggling to do five days a week and i just said to them no you're not doing five days a week we're going to do four days a week and we'll see how you go it's been two weeks and so far you know they've they're much happier mm. you know they enjoy training again and i think it's that objective outlook you know you might think you know what's best for you but a lot of times you you don't <laughs> like yeah. you know um and so i think that collaborative effort really helps because if you find training boring you can 
communicate that with your coach and your coach can go okay well let's try this then you know like yeah. why don't we try doing three days a week or we do two days a week of what you want to do weightlifting and then we do one day a week of something entirely different some crossfit stuff or whatever you want to do right so you have your your structure and your progressive overload or whatever the hell you're trying to do and then you also have some randomness mixed in yeah. which makes it feel more exciting as long as you are aware as you very well pointed out and although he says he's not the expert he he very much is in this field with me like you know i've taught him as much as i i guess as much as i can at this point in time but like he's aware that if training gets boring or if he's not doing it that responsibility also falls on his shoulders to talk to me because yeah. i don't know what's going on inside his head you know yeah. um so yeah i would say hopefully some of that information helped but ultimately the responsibility is that you have to find a way that will help keep moving the carriage forwards basically um you know sometimes it's slow sometimes it's fast yeah anyway nice uh, all right next question um okay this is an interesting one actually how do you scale or control your adrenaline during finesse sports so finesse i would assume it would be something like golf archery shooting darts equestrian something that requires skill maybe sport. yeah skills skill yeah. i mean even even weightlifting i guess is yeah it's not just about you know being a monstrosity of a human it's also <laughs> about having you know skill and and accuracy um yeah so how how would you scale or i guess how would you control your adrenaline during finesse sports specifically like in competitions do you want to go first i feel like you I mean, uh, this is your field okay so there's three things that i would i again i'm not a psychologist um but there's three things that i've picked up on from being an athlete as well as a coach specifically for weightlifting and finesse sports or skill sports as we'll call them number one i think most importantly is you have to train in an environment where there is some kind of stress right so for example yeah. a lot of athletes that come into weightlifting fear their first competition because they've never been in that environment before and so the reality is the longer that you leave that competition the worse it will get yeah because you're just worrying so much about the outcome and yet the reality is that if you were to just do a competition you know maybe not in your first month but once you are fairly competent as a weightlifter and competence can show itself in in any regard it doesn't mean snatching 100 kilos it, it means just snatching well enough to, to put a total on the board you have to put yourself in those stressful scenarios because then you're able to um you're able to I guess the 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 idea is that it's like exposure therapy. You're exposing yourself to those stressful environments where you know your adrenaline is going to be spiked, and so you're actually you can literally tell yourself, like, bro, you've been here before. Like, yeah. you've literally been here before. There's it's no different. Um, and a story that I want to tell, which I actually told one of my friends, literally four or five days ago, which is really weird. Why this question came up was. Elsa was in you know, 2022 in the Beijing Winter Olympics, which was an absolutely unbelievable experience. And I remember it was either her or, or, or me 
Um, and I said to her, how are you feeling? And she was like, well, it's just another race. Yeah. And I love, I love that outlook so much because I mean, I was absolutely shitting myself that she was on the biggest stage of her career, you know, the Olympic games on TV. And yet she just was able to have this really clear presence of mind and just say, well, it's just another track. Yeah. Like, yeah. what's the difference? I've been here before many times. Obviously the outcome is different, but it doesn't worry about the outcome because I can't control the outcome. I can only control the practice that I put into in the track and my performance. And that really, for me, epitomizes the being able to expose yourself to the that stressful environment and, and knowing that you've been there and that you're confident. Um, the second thing, I guess, would be visualization and, and mental imagery. I think a lot of people have this narrative in sports where they tell themselves that they, you know, or they believe that they're not going to do very well, right? And we've spoken about this many times um, that I think mental imagery not only has a very powerful effect on your brain psychologically, but also physically. We tried this experiment um, a couple months ago with some of the guys that I train with. And like before we'd hit the lift, we would literally say to each other, like, bro, you've already done it. Like, I, I literally just saw you do it. Yeah. Um, and it was really funny. Like, it's pretty sure that's into... gaslighting. <laughs> no, well, it's positive <laughs> gaslighting. It's positive, positive gaslighting. gaslighting. There we go. <laughs> um, but it, it started out as a bit of a joke. And then eventually, actually, it turned into like this kind of really powerful sort of self talk and, and, Kind of imagery that actually you you're, you're telling yourself that you've already done it well then it doesn't matter what happens yeah. when you do it a second time because you know even if the scenario isn't real you're familiar with that that event you know um yeah and you're kind of rehearsing yourself it's, it's like a rehearsal like a dance rehearsal or a singing rehearsal um uh, those would be kind of the two things that I would do to, to be able to train yourself specifically for those events. And then uh, honestly, I think meditation and breathing um, works really well to just regulate your, your adrenaline, your stress, you know, between shots, between races, between lifts, um, just to downregulate your adrenaline. Anyway, yeah. that would be my, my three tips, I guess. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you covered it all. Um, I mean, I mean, I'd, <laughs> I think, and I'm assuming this question is from, you know, a competitive athlete or, or in the context yeah. of competition, like competitive sport, um, because yeah, hundred percent, like you need to be exposed to those stress environments to be able to manage the stress. And that's first and foremost, you know, and, and I think the next layer of that is that I think a lot of people. I see it a lot in my sport and, and probably in different sports as well. Like people sort of put off um, what maybe they aren't so confident with or what they know could cause some problems or, you know, we get scared of making mistakes. We get scared of being put in those stressful environments or stressful situations. And that could be things like, you know, if there's a certain types of lines or jumps on the cross country for example that you know that you're not good at or the horse you're on isn't so good at 
it's much easier to not address it and mm. in a way like I, I see the argument that like when you're training you need to build confidence blah 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 at the same time you need to get better like mm -hmm. uh, the only way to get better is to address what you're not good at right mm. uh, and so because there's no there's no doubt that you know you get to a competition it might not be the competition this weekend or next weekend but one weekend you're going to get to a competition you're going to see the thing that you're you're shit at <laughs> and you're going to be shitting yourself because because then you're even more not prepared unprepared mm -hmm. for it because you've not done the preparation because you've been putting it off rather than addressing it you've been jumping the easy stuff that you know that you're good at and you know and it's the first step is recognizing what those things are maybe as a weightlifter maybe that's just stepping on the platform you know and being yeah. put on the spot and having people around you and having one chance you know that that could be that stress environment for you um and you know there are obviously ways to replicate that in training and and things like that um you know in in what i do at the cross country like maybe there's you know a corner jump or, or skinnies or things like that that you know that you're not good at and a good indicator i think is just when you look at it or you even like think about it and you feel that kind of feeling like you feel a little bit nervous in your stomach you feel your heart rate go up a little bit just by thinking about it or just by seeing something like that then you'd be like yeah that's the thing that's one thing mm. that i'm not confident about one thing that maybe i need to work on and instead of not addressing it like just just work on it like even if it's in small chunks you know if you scale it down make it a little bit easier and then build it up all of these things i think in terms of managing i think the question is managing you know adrenaline levels and that comes to managing stress and nerves and anxiety and that sort of thing mm. if you're more prepared then naturally you're going to be less stressed you're going to be less nervous um absolutely the other thing i'd say is that inevitably you're going to get a bit nervous like if you're not nervous then you're probably you're either just too good for the level that you're at and you need to kind of level up or stop being a pussy or or you just don't care and either of those thing neither of those things are very um i would say good <laughs> um, so i think a part of that is accepting that when you're competing when you step on the platform when you go out the start box like there is going to be a level of heightened adrenaline like a level of nerves and so you have to kind of accept that and be like okay how do i deal with that or how do i manage that how do i play it into my hands and let it work in my favor um yeah and again that comes down to preparation that comes down to practice and experience and, and i think in my experience like the experience plays a big part of it you know the more years that i go out the start box and the more it normalizes in my brain the less it has an impact on me sort of physiologically and mentally um in terms of my nerves or my you know sudden spike in adrenaline or something like that because you just get more used to it you know you've put 
you've put your shirts through the wash more times as a, a guest said in a previous pod a previous episode uh volleyball yeah. reference um yeah absolutely i think uh on that planning there's a british military phrase i think it's probably the same in a lot of military which is um proper planning and preparation prevents piss poor performance <laughs> there we go um but yeah i hopefully that answered the question um you made a really good point on that that you know and we've spoken about this in the past that stress and adrenaline also helps you focus so it's not a case of getting rid of it it's a case of controlling it and being in the storm and being like fuck man i've been here before you know yeah so all right next one we've got a couple more we'll try and squeeze this out so the next one is and i think we've already covered this so we probably don't need to spend too much time on this mental toughness for competitive sports this is from an entirely different person but interestingly it's kind of similar um without context i'm not really sure what this is kind of getting at um i mean we've spoken about mental toughness and this idea of covering up weaknesses as a load of crock basically um i don't necessarily think you're born with mental toughness but i do believe firmly that your environment is a product of your toughness and it can your be developed as a product of it right yeah i see what you mean. um but it can definitely be developed uh one thing that i have noticed is that people from tougher backgrounds you know they've grown up in lesser socioeconomic backgrounds or you know maybe they had some instability in their family or whatever it might be generally this is not to 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 say everybody because it certainly isn't everybody um generally i tend to find that they're able to they have they have better mental toughness because they've mm. already been through that process and they know same thing as the adrenaline they've been there before they've been there you know? They've done it. Yeah, they're literally their whole life is that. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting one because I think mental toughness for me really comes about self-belief and and I guess one thing that's really interesting actually, which I want to reference, and I didn't think we'd be able to do this in this podcast, but here we go. I was just watching a podcast with Gordon Ramsay right oh i know high performance podcast it is absolutely unbelievable Gen genuinely i'm not really a fan of the high performance podcast um i've listened to a couple of episodes and i've read the book um but i'll withhold my my opinion anyway the gordon ramsay episode that i just watched was absolutely phenomenal not only because a lot of the people that they I know I'm, it seems like I'm going on a tangent, but I'm not. I'm just taking you on a, on a journey with me, as I usually do, because I'm a waffler and I have the gift of the gap. On in. Um, one thing that I find really interesting with a, with a lot of the podcasts that they have done is they interview a lot of sportsmen. Mm. And one thing that's really interesting to me, which is very apparent, because uh, I have chefs in my family, is how bloody hard they work. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness, they work hard. And it's such a stressful environment. Anyway, one thing that he mentions, which is going to my point of, 
I think a lot of mental toughness comes down to self-belief and also being able to handle criticism, which also comes down to self-belief. Is this idea that confidence and arrogance are the same thing and they're not. Mm. I think arrogance is you thinking you're the dog's bollocks, but not being able to back it up. Yeah. yeah. And I think confidence is you being the dog's bollocks because you've backed that shit up. Yeah. And I think like, it's such a hard thing to develop. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like, I believe in myself wholeheartedly because obviously that's a lie. <laughs> like, let's face it, you know, there's often times where I question myself in sport. There's often times where I question myself in my job and my career. And I think that the, in reality also keeps me in mental check because it makes me not become complacent. It mm -hmm. makes me not become arrogant because I haven't proved that I'm good. Right. And I think that's a good thing, but I would say self-belief for me, I think is the most important thing um, is you, you have to tell yourself that you are good. Even if you aren't, even if you don't believe it, I guarantee you that if you are able to tell yourself more times that you are good at something, you will start to believe that narrative. Mm. And I think that is such an important aspect to develop because it strengthens your mindset and keeps your self-doubt doubt at bay. You know, yeah. you're able to control that. And I think the reality is, when you're trying to develop this mental toughness, your imposter syndrome and your doubt is higher than your level of your self-belief. So you can't control it. But if we can flip that narrative where your self-belief is now higher than your self-doubt, doesn't mean it happens all the time, but it means you are in control. Yeah. You can, you can yeah. accept criticism. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, I mean, that would be honestly my, my, my biggest, I guess that's my thought process and how I've thought about mental toughness over the last couple of months since, since doing that podcast, you know? Um, yeah, I've got one yeah. more thing, but I want to um, let you speak first. Oh, well, I like that. And um, actually the thing about confidence versus arrogance, actually I want to challenge you on that. And I think there's a big difference between confidence and arrogance, like you say, but I think one of the biggest differences is, and I've actually had this conversation with someone and, and um, you know, can you be confident yet humble? And for me, the answer is 100% yes. And I, I think uh, that, again, if we go back to question one, uh, question two even, um, maybe one of the things that gets misunderstood by people uh, when it comes to myself maybe or, or a lot of a lot of um sort of sports people actually and and people who are quite self-assured or, or come off as quite confident in themselves and and what they're able to do and their abilities is that they're arrogant mm. and for me that's not true at all because i am i know that like i'm humble in the sense that I know that there's always things that I'm learning, like I'm learning every day and there's people better than me and there's people who have achieved more than me. And I try to always have this, carry this sort of mentality of uh, the Buddhists call it beginner's mind, you know, like where 
you approach everything with the same curiosity and and the same um sort of want to learn as as a beginner you know if you think about a beginner in any field and they don't know anything and and, and they they want to learn as much as they can because there's always more to learn but at the same time i'm confident in one my current abilities like i know where i'm at and also two in the process that's getting me better if that makes sense yeah and so i think that that kind of adds to or, or helps with this mental toughness and resilience of actually knowing that knowing where you're at and knowing your abilities and, and where you want to be but also at the same time taking everything in and continuing to learn and, and going in with an open mind and um i don't know the thing about resilience the thing about tough like just watch rocky <laughs> you know i i it's it's as simple as that like you know be hit down nine times and get up ten or something like that yeah. right and that's it's not about how hard you can get hit it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward <laughs> forward that's, that's think... how winning is done <laughs> god we're such nerds i think um i i think what i tell myself is every time you're faced with some kind of adversity or faced with a loss or, or something like that faced with something tough you have a choice mm. you know you can either get back up or you stay down and like it's always a choice and yeah sometimes it's easier to get up sometimes it's easier to stay down and and that again is something that to an extent you can start controlling or i've started controlling you know having the right people around me to support me you know making sure that everything's in place to give me the best possible chance to get back on the wagon as it were and, and, and keep keep going but i think it's really important at least for me to always just remember that it is a choice mm. like this has happened cool i've fallen off my horse i've literally i'm on the ground like cool um that's happened that's fine what matters is what i do next and what i do next yeah. is up to me like i i decide that um yeah and so i think that in itself is quite or has been quite powerful for me personally just accepting that it's my choice and yeah. making that choice each time um yeah I, i'd say that's that's my my 2p on uh mental toughness i think that's really interesting because you kind of fed into the last thing i was going to say before i let you speak which is this idea that bravery and courage aren't the same thing and i think what you mentioned there is that you have a choice um you know like in my mind i think bravery is the ability to confront something and be confident that you're going to do it right mm. so basically you're doing it without fear without a choice whereas courage is the ability to do that despite fear so yeah. it's a choice it's a choice you're making a conscious decision regardless of the fact that you feel scared or confident to do it 
And yeah. I think in a lot of these cases, whether you compete, right, you're putting yourself out there consciously in the decision, knowing that you could you could fuck up. Mm. So you have to be brave. And if you do that on a regular basis, and yet you still have this narrative that you're telling yourself that you don't believe in yourself, you've literally done it. Like you, yeah. you have literally got on your horse to go and compete time and time and time again, regardless of the outcome. That to me is is courage. That's courageous. You know, maybe not in the in not, maybe not in the essence of um, maybe not in the essence of you know going to war or whatever it is. But again, it's it doesn't really matter. Like the narrative is what you tell yourself. I think if you do lack that self belief, then looking outside of that for people to tell you how good you are will never work mm. you have to start telling yourself that you're good not in an arrogant way in a confident way where you can back it up with fact hard cold fact and say to yourself well if i was really scared to go and compete and yet i still did it then i did believe in myself yeah because i yeah. did it anyway so that would yeah i think um we'll end on on two more questions and these are these are a little shorter this is a really interesting one actually which is something that i don't think i've ever asked you if oh, you could God. have coffee if you could have coffee with any historical figure past or present who would you choose but you said these are short questions this is a pretty short <laughs> question I don't know. I, I I would choose. Okay, the thing is, before I get misunderstood, right? And and I we kind of touched on it earlier, actually, with 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 books, is that it's easy. It's really easy to like understand the good guy. Yep. It's not so easy to understand the bad guy and you know i think well obviously there's a lot of value in learning from successful people and learning from good people i think there's also a bit of value in sort of understanding and maybe maybe i don't know if empathizing is the right word but like understanding the reasons that people did certain things um Therefore, I would like to have coffee with Pablo Escobar. <laughs> wow, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, I think out of all of the those figures, it's probably you know. <laughs> he seemed like a pretty Maybe. cool guy as well. Like, not gonna lie, he had hippos. Yeah, right. Like Colombia's <laughs> just rife with wild hippos now that they can't control because of this one guy who just decided mm. that he wanted hippos yeah that's kind of cool <laughs> i i would honestly i think i'm kind of going along the same lines of you but on the other side of the fence i would love to sit down and have a conversation with someone like nelson mandela wow you, you just, just made me like, look like a really bad guy <laughs> <laughs> well okay i'll change my mind mother Teresa. I <laughs> uh, but i actually would I actually you kind of opened my 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 mind there to, to other possibilities to be fair because actually I think 
I don't think empathizing is the word at all because it, I don't empathize for for the choices that they've made at whatsoever because regardless of whether they think it was right or wrong um mm. is is their choice and you know we are very much entitled to our opinion and and what is morally right and ethically right um but I do definitely agree with you that I think there is an uh, there is um an argument to be said that being able to understand the other side rather than just pass them off um, is very valuable because it means that actually you could potentially not it's not even a case of understanding why they did it it's it's making sure that it's not repeated so you yeah. can use that yeah, as yeah. as education you can use that to educate others like we don't think like this you know this this whatever he's thinking that's not okay you this know um and this is what this is why he which is why they thought it yeah this is because the situation we're in this was the environment they were in this is what led them to believe these things and act a certain way like absolutely. all of these factors play into into you know why nigel farage says what he says <laughs> okay last one <laughs> all right last one are you ready this is a this is a, a pretty easy one actually um if you could write a book what would it be about what just okay <laughs> what do you mean what would it be about any book yeah you'd write an autobiography i mean it would be kind of boring but <laughs> <laughs> well, would it, i mean I, I don't know what do you know what i would write, I write about multiple books i would write about so one one piece of work that's really kind of inspired me over the last couple of years is victor frankl's a search for meaning hmm. man's search for meaning one thing that I really have been thinking about recently is a lot of the works that we read are from famous people, right? People who are really well known or they write it from the perspective of something that was very extreme on either side. You know, Viktor Frankl is a, is a Holocaust survivor. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that he was in Auschwitz. I don't remember if that was if that's fact. So please apologize. I apologize if that's not correct. But the the point the point stands that I think a lot of the books that we read, even stuff on like Stoicism, there's always some kind of extreme. You know, you have the extreme good, you have the extreme bad. I would love to just read a book on man's search for meaning from a normal person. Like, you know, rather than I'm not sure because I I just think that a lot of us really sit just in the middle. You know, we've never really had anything super traumatic that's happened in our lives, and we've also never really had anything super glorified that's happened in our yeah. lives. We're just yeah. normal people, and I think it's very difficult to to read these books, these self help books because we haven't really had any of that happen to us and mm. so it's very hard to resonate or with that relate so, to, yeah yeah 
so I, I honestly i think i would just write i, I mean i wouldn't write it but i'm I, that's the question that i was asked so i would genuinely just write a book on something like the search for meaning from a normal person or something like that i know that's a really shit title of a book but yeah. maybe i'll just write something like being okay with being average there we go just a guy just a guy <laughs> you know there is actually a book that i read it, um it's by the comedian ramesh ranganathan i do like that guy he's very funny oh, he's brilliant but the book and i'm gonna look it up right now because i forget the name but it was basically it's not an autobiography but it's just a book of sort of experiences or lessons you know mm. but from a regular guy yeah and and i absolutely loved it it was just regular experiences that he made light of and he kind of explored you know regular sort of being a math teacher like going out with his kids and um just stuff like that you know the book is called like that. nope not that one Ramesh. Ramesh Ranganathan, as good as it gets. Nice. Highly recommend. Damn, so, so basically, he stole my idea. Yeah, you're too late. My idea would be also a regular guy, um, but sort of following him through him reading other books. <laughs> I like that idea. That's and how that like kind of changes certain things he's thinking about or his perspective and stuff like that and how each book kind of influences his life that's really cool i genuinely would love to read a book like that a book about a book like a book about books a book about a guy reading books which sounds really boring but also it, i feel like again sometimes we when we do read these kind of books and they do have some profound impact on us a lot of times they just they don't because it's very hard for us to put that into practice because we lack like the perspective or the hindsight of it but i think reading about that and seeing the evolution of this person after they've read certain books in terms of their mindset that would be so interesting yeah 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 i love that idea i think you should shelf you should genuinely not shelf that idea that's not the right word you should genuinely you need to write that shit down because that could be that could be a book well there was this one scene in and i'm useless i forget the name of it was a kind of a series a sort of limited series kind of thing um actually by louis ck um, <laughs> who's cancelled now but anyway um where the main character sort of goes to this the, there was this motivational speaker type guy and he was running an event and this this main character goes to the event and basically has been told how to get his shit together and get his life together and was feeling really inspired by that you know like all the the sudden source of motivation and inspiration to get his get his life together right and then he just goes home and has a takeout and watches tv 
and that was so that was such a powerful scene yeah i bet you know yeah i like that stuff it's nice like because like i said i think it's the reality is that that is most people's reality that we are i i think it's it's this is something that i would love to discuss more in depth on a podcast is this idea that it's not okay to be average mm. you know <laughs> why why is it not okay yeah um anyway yeah guys that's all we've got for you this week so thank you so thank much you for, for tuning questions. in uh we hope that you enjoyed this little q a we do have a guest podcast coming out before this i believe it will be this week or next week um so stay tuned for that that's with luke hathaway who runs brickfield's gym in hemel hempstead in the united kingdom and one Wait, other thing that it's already come out by the time this is oh, out yeah. that's already come out by the time this is out <laughs> this has already come out that's very true yeah, i hope you enjoyed um, that we hope you enjoyed that and we also that although this is going to be coming out in a couple of weeks um i thought i'd just you know mention it anyway we hopefully you guys picked up a movember t-shirt um which we're selling if you haven't nice. then you will hopefully see this when when the episode comes out next week um if we've got some in stock but um yeah enjoy the rest of your week thanks for tuning in uh and um We'll catch you in December, I guess. Peace. Peace.